0: I was drinking, um, slamming some shots before practice so I could get rid of the shakes, so I could like throw batting practice to the kids um, and try to get back to level almost. Um, So it was almost like out of necessity. I had to have a few drinks um, so that I would look sober versus ridiculously hungover and non-functioning.
1: Welcome to the Recovery Edge Podcast. My name is Alfredo and I'm an alcoholic. And today I'm sitting here with Joel, who I met at the uh, Tuesday night meeting, Thirst Quenchers.
0: How's it going? Good, good, Alfredo. How are you? Doing good, man. Why don't
1: you uh, give us your sober date and uh, your home group?
0: Yeah, so I'm uh, with the Tritown Thirst Quenchers, uh, as Alfredo mentioned, and my sober date is January 3rd, 2021.
1: 2021. January 3rd, 2021. So you have almost two years, about Come, a year and a half, right? Yeah, about a year and a
0: half, just past a year and a half, my 18-month mark. Oh,
1: well, yeah. congrats. Thanks. Right? That's a, did you actually get an 18-month chip? No, no,
0: I asked the group if they had one. They don't um, have any, huh? No, they don't, and they called it the winer chip, which I didn't know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was funny.
1: Yeah, I don't know how long they've been passing them out, but yeah, yeah, they've always been called the winer chip, I guess. <laughs> Um, that's cool well congrats on all of that Thanks. um after you know you got 18 18 months now um, how's life
0: it's good yeah it's a heck of a lot better than when I was drinking for sure um no th- things are going really well yeah I, I feel more like me um got some time in now uh, a little bit so going through uh, the uh the the year I guess uh, a second time around the first time the first year everything was new um so it's been good going through like a, a second summer sober um things like yeah, that so yeah. everything's uh on the second go around, which is a little easier, I think. In the second, I bet. Year.
1: yeah, yeah, that's cool. And you're pretty involved in uh, in your kids' sports, right? I am coach, yeah, or you were a coach,
0: yeah, yeah, and still coach. Um, yeah, I coach wrestling and baseball. Um, and yeah, we're kind of a sports family. I have three boys, so we are constantly running and doing stuff there, and that's uh, that's kept me busy. Um, and I did that previously and doing it now, uh, probably a little better now. Uh, in sobriety but uh, really really enjoy that it keeps me active obviously a good excuse to keep uh, you know it, engaged with my kids and an activity we uh, we enjoy together.
1: Nice so um, why don't you tell us you know if you're ready what, yeah. what brought you into AA you know you can tell us you know what kind of happened um, you know what what it's like today and all that good stuff you know.
0: Yeah yeah absolutely so yeah when I came in in January of last year Um, leading up to kind of my last bender, um, I had actually been, hadn't drank for, for 45 days. And, and that's been kind of my story before where I, I would go through these little spurts of like, oh, I'm going to get healthy for a month. I won't drink for 30 days. I'll get on a diet, lay off the alcohol, um, and do that. Um, I think now probably it it was because I knew I had a problem and, and wanted to just like quit for a little bit to seem somewhat normal. Um, but I did that for 45 days leading up into Christmas day. And then on Christmas day had family over and was like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do a shot. And then it was downhill from there. Um, and I was pretty much drunk for two weeks straight. Well, not nah, 10 days straight. Um, and so in those 10 days was pretty out of it had a bunch of my wife's family around and she was planning me a 40th birthday party, uh, which was going to be on December 30th. And it ended up that I was way too hungover to even attend the birthday party. So I told her that morning, got to cancel the birthday party. I can't make it. Um, you know, I had the, Oh, I'm feeling sick. Um, but she knew. And then, um, at that point, that's when, like, when she was gonna have to start making calls say, like, "Hey, don't come over, we're not having it. um and, and completely ruin that. um that she um, that I basically broke down at that point and admitted like to her, oh, I'm an alcoholic, I need help. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um and she obviously knew I was an alcoholic. um, but that was the first time I had actually like really vocalized it and, and finally just felt, flattened enough um, to say I needed help, didn't know what to do, Um, and it was completely lost and just beaten down at that point. So we decided that to call a rat. Well, first I had to go to the hospital because I needed like, I was just so hung over and had the shakes and and everything else that I couldn't function. And so went there while we were there, started looking up recovery centers. And then uh, she found one um, got me booked to go in um the following day, which I did, and then I stayed there for a week. So that was that was the tail end. Um, and hopefully the last time um uh, that I, you know, would have a bender like that. But that that's really what brought me to recovery, um, starting out with the uh, the recovery center um and then leading into AA. Hmm.
1: So Before you got that far, Mm -hmm. like you had your first drink at some point, was that pretty early in life?
0: Yeah, it was, you know, high school, I had my first drink, um, the occasional drink, um, you know, would, would party with friends on the weekends, um, during non-sports seasons because I was in sports, so that kept me on the straight and narrow during that, um, and, and honestly, I don't remember like how I drank then. Um, nothing was alarming to me probably cause we were all drinking like idiots at that point. Um, but I would say after that in my early twenties now looking back, um, but I don't still don't think I recognized it at the time. I was probably drinking alcoholically. So I would say I was drinking alcoholically for, for 20 years. Um, And again, there'd be times where it not necessarily was okay, but wasn't a problem or caused problems. Um, and then I think when I was in my twenties, everything could be chalked up to I'm young. We just like to party. I met my wife early, um, when I was 23. Um, and so we would go party. I'd party harder than her for sure. Um, and most other people, uh, but then I'd be fine for the week. I'd go work, it'd be normal, um, and then go back out and, and party. And it wasn't always partying. Um, it was a lot of just drinking at home too. Uh, but I, I still rack my brain with trying to figure out like the point in time when I would have been an alcoholic, even though I was probably always an alcoholic. But like when I wasn't drinking normally, and it, it had to be in my early 20s, and I... One of like the most vivid memories is I think I was 24 we me and my wife had had some friends over our place we drank and then I think everybody like started to like settle down either go home um wife fell asleep and I kept drinking um, uh, out of a bottle of vodka and then I remember being like, oh I drank way too much I'm gonna fill it up with water <laughs> throw it back in the freezer, mm-hmm. do the whole hiding thing. Um, well then she found it like a week later and was like, why the hell is the vodka frozen here in the freezer? And I was like, oh yeah, well I drank it all and then refilled it. So, um, I mean that to me was probably like, okay, once you start hiding your drinking like that, that's not what normal people do. Um, but yeah, I dismissed it at the time as yeah, yeah, you were being overbearing. I didn't want to tell you how much I drank. Um, so yeah. And then. You know, went on to drink in kind of those ebbs and flows where there'd be times when it was a problem throughout my 20s, 30s, times where there wasn't, but I don't remember ever being able to easily just have two, three beers and walk away. Like if I was able to do that, it was because I've, I held off till nine o'clock that night, gave myself an hour to drink and then it was like okay it's time to go to bed but it always felt forced to stop it was never just natural like walk away and leave half a beer right that was that was weird to me to to drink that way um but yeah i still still can't yeah remember like when i really started to think i had a problem
1: did anybody ever approach you and say you might have a problem
0: yeah my wife alluded to it um Probably the three years leading up to getting sober um we'd you know have a, a conversation about you know like couples or this and that and she'd say, yeah, I'd never leave you unless uh, your drinking gets too out of control um, And she would like allude to it like that and I'd just be like, oh yeah, 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 but it won't um, get out of control. And so like she started to bring it up like that very casually on um, inferring that I had a problem. And then and then towards the end, probably the last year and a half, we would have arguments, fights where she would tell me straight up, like, you drink too much. I don't think she ever used the word alcoholic, um, but it was you drink too much. You need to get your shit together. Um, and so... I don't know. Just in the circles we ran in, I didn't know people that went to recovery programs or AA, except like a, you know, an uncle out there, um, that was doing that, that I didn't liken myself to. Um, so we never discussed like, you have a problem, go get help. And then outside of my wife, um, no, nobody knew. I had a problem like, because they never saw me. Cause I was a very private drinker. Like I was the the guy who drank in the garage, hiding in the garage on the side of the house. I would stay home. I wouldn't go out because I knew my tendencies that I would drink too much. And if I did, I was very guarded and wouldn't tie one on till after I got back home from going out with friends. Or if it was with friends and I tied one on, they didn't see me out that often. So it was like, oh, Joel got away from his, you know, kids and wife for the night. So that's why he drank like that. Um, so they didn't recognize it. I mean, even my mom and dad didn't know I had a problem. Like my mom was floored and completely surprised when I called her the day I went into recovery and told her, Hey, I'm canceling my birthday party. I'm an alcoholic. I've been doing this for a while. Um, she was completely surprised. So I I hid it very well um and so i think that helped me not deal with it um because really people weren't calling me out on it and nobody was approaching me on it
1: hmm. how did your drinking um change when you had your kids cuz you got what three you said
0: three kids yep 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 okay. yeah so i was 27 um when i had my first son um and my drinking didn't change. Like it, it didn't, it stayed the same. Um, and yeah, I would just drink very similarly to when I was, you know, without kids, um, and just didn't have any responsibilities. So that's, uh, I mean, that's a part I regret the most is, is being an alcoholic with my kids around and, I would hide it from them. So I would say the thing that probably changed when they came around is that I started hiding it more. Um, And that's when I was very secretive about my drinking and tried to not let on to them or my wife because she knew I was taking care of them um, that I was drinking as much as I was. Mm.
1: So how long were you guys married before you... Got into recovery. Let me guess, about 15 years.
0: Yeah. So we. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. 15. Because we uh, got married um, when I was 26, yeah. um, and then yep, yeah, yep, yeah, went in about uh, 40. So yeah, coming up on 15 years.
1: When you were growing up, was there anybody in your family that was alcoholic? Um,
0: just my uncle was an acknowledged alcoholic. He was in AA. Um, oh, okay. So he was sober or he was sober when I knew him. He wasn't sober when I was very young. Yeah. But I don't remember him when I was very young. So from the time I remember my uncle, he was sober. And then he had since relapsed. Um and I think he still relapsed. Um, but yeah, I think he was sober for ten years, maybe fifteen years, something like that. A big yeah. a decent chunk of time. Um, but I wasn't I didn't really have a relationship with him. So I, all I knew is that he was an alcoholic. He was an AA and he's not drinking now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, other than that, I didn't know anybody that had a problem. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't close to me in any way. Um, I think there were some other family members that now looking back, they did have a problem. Yeah. Um, but I didn't recognize any of that. And, my dad would drink. Um, but, and my mom would get annoyed with him about it, but Mm -hmm. she's super religious and very like, don't have anything to drink if you do have one. Um, and, and my dad liked to party. Um, uh, he, I don't remember him doing that. Like when I was even like, or older, but I remember my mom being upset at him a couple times um, because he would go out with buddies. But he's now the type of guy that, you know, can have that beer, it'd be half full and forget that it was there. So I don't think my dad ever had a problem. I think he just liked to go out with his buddies sometimes. Mm. So
1: So you almost had like no reference point of like how somebody drinks and it's kind of shitty. Mm -hmm. Like So you were kind of learning on your own, I guess, without even being aware of it though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that, that kind of sucked is that I, I didn't know what a problem was. Um, I didn't know there were people like me cause I thought myself normal. Um, I didn't yeah. know there were people that had a wife and kids and from the outside looking in, didn't look alcoholic, um, had a job, hadn't lost a job because of alcohol um, never got a DUI, so never got into any law trouble. So I'm just sitting, I was sitting there thinking like, I don't have a problem because like none of this is the, the shit show that you see like on TV or other people in like worst case, very rock bottom scenarios, you know, kind mm-hmm. of in the gutter type of situations. I didn't know that there were functioning alcoholics. Um, and I consider myself high functioning on mm-hmm. um, alcoholic. So I didn't know that you couldn't be out on the streets and a bum, um, and be an alcoholic that you could be, you know, kind of quote normal person and, and be an alcoholic and have a problem. So yeah, you're right. There, there wasn't a reference point for me. Did you ever take that questionnaire? You know, I didn't, I didn't, I've heard of it. Um, I've seen it. Um, I know I hadn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would have checked a lot of boxes. I'm sure. Yeah,
1: well, the, the ones that I didn't check are the ones that made me believe I wasn't an alcoholic. Was oh, okay. Like, well, I, <laughs> gotcha. I don't
0: drink in the morning. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: As long as I don't drink in the morning. Right, okay, you're good. You're, you're good. good.
0: Just hold off for a couple hours.
1: So what was coaching like for you?
0: Yeah, um, coaching was good. Um, and I forever kept my drinking separate from coaching. Um, Mm -hmm. and this is kind of the sensitive area for me, uh, because not, nobody really knows that I did, um, coach kids, uh, drunk, buzzed everything. Um, I kept that separated for years and then probably the last two years leading up to getting sober, um, it had all bled together. I, I was drinking, um, slamming some shots before practice so i could get rid of the shakes so i could like throw batting practice to the kids um and try to get back to level almost um so it was almost like out of necessity i had to have a few drinks um so that i would look sober versus ridiculously hungover and non-functioning um so yeah it really it started to bleed over And that's, that's when I recognized I had a problem, like probably the two years leading up to getting sober. That's when I was like, yeah, you got a freaking problem. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I felt alone with it. Um, and that's because I couldn't compartmentalize it anymore. Like I could before, um, and I think, like like you said, like I didn't do it here, so I'm not an alcoholic. I didn't do it there or at, at this, so I'm not an alcoholic. And once it started to bleed into everything, where I couldn't do anything not drinking, that that's when I recognized I had a problem. Um, and I did attempt to. Uh, go get counseling, um, go to a a counselor a year before. Yeah. A year before, um, I came into the program too. Um, yeah. Kind of happy to talk, talk about that as well. Well, So it was a weird scenario with, um, a place where it wasn't like a formalized, like recovery process or regimen or anything because, I had talked to my wife about getting some help um, and I hadn't committed to quitting at that point. I just wanted to get some help, um, partly to appease her, partly to kind of figure out if I could find how to drink normally, um, I think was in the back of my mind the whole time. Like, I don't want to quit, but let me talk to somebody to see if, like, they have a special solution for drinking normally. Um, so I went and talked to somebody on... Um, Who, in my opinion, should never talk to an alcoholic again, uh, because when we sat down over two meetings, she basically told me, like, think of yourself as like your your addiction is like a boilerplate. And when it gets really hot, it's hard to, like, slow down. But if you can limit or take time off from your substance, which was alcohol, that temperature will uh, lower and you can bring yourself back to normal. And then you can try to introduce it again and drink normally um so all i needed from her was two sessions of that and i was green lighted for the next year on on drinking i didn't go back to her i was like yeah she said like you could figure out how to do it um normally drink normally so i um i went and did that uh and drank like crazy for that year um and the reason i went to her was because i had a doctor's appointment and they found like some anomalies with my like liver uh, uh, levels, enzyme levels, um, which scared the crap out of me. And so I was like, I need to get this in order. And uh, and then there were some like fatty deposits on my liver. Um, so that's why I went to her. Um, but then she said you can drink normally. Um, and so then I went on another year of drinking.
1: Hmm. You were probably trying to drink less to try to like go through the method that was provided, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yep, yep, and that's probably where I think twice that year I took thirty days off of drinking. Yeah, um, and then uh, would try to get back to it normally, but it, mm-hmm. it would just I I would go back stronger every time. Yeah, um, where it was gripping that last time I I remember like having that shot. And then nothing else like entered my mind, except how to get back to that bottle of whiskey. Like it it was just, it was, it was insane where I was almost like outside of myself looking in like, holy shit, what's going on? Like you, you can't stop. Like that's all you're obsessing about that now. And you're going to go to pass out and like, actually like having that recognition and then it happening anyways, even though you know, it's happening at the same time. It's like Mm happening. It was weird. Um, And that, that was not the only time, but the worst time I felt just like completely gripped by alcohol and just didn't know how to not even have that next drink for five minutes.
1: Yeah. And you're trying to juggle a double life here. You know, Mm -hmm. you're, uh, you're thinking about alcohol and it's starting to bleed over to your other, um, you know, positions in life, coach, Mm -hmm. maybe work and father and husband. Yep. Um when you got towards the end here of your drinking career, how were you feeling um, like emotionally
0: or like how was the morale? Yeah, I was a basket case, like this quiet basket case where, oh man, it was emotionally I was just wrecked. I didn't know which way was up. Um, I was like maintaining minute to minute, like just it, I was thinking in minutes, like get through this minute. Cause you got the shake so bad. Um, get through these next 30 minutes and then have another beer get through. Like it was, it was such short term thinking because I couldn't think beyond that at that point. Cause I was drinking almost constantly. <clears throat> um, especially the, yeah, the last six months cause that was mid COVID too. So I was working from home, mm. didn't have to go into the office. Um, yeah, we had shut down our offices. So I had ample time to drink, um, without being around people and not having a regimen of even going into the office messed me up. Um, and so, yeah, emotionally, I was just, I was messed up. Um, I remember like standing in the closet at one point, just thinking like, not suicidal thoughts, but just like, oh man, if I just died from this, like the, the, then it'd be fine. Like the, then I I don't because I don't know how to deal with it. Um, so I had in my head that it was just going to run its course. Um, and I was going to die an alcoholic, and that it was going to happen soon. Like those, uh, mortality thoughts were like in my head constantly. Um, and part of that was the, the information I got about my liver the year before. Other parts are just physically how I felt so awful. Um, I remember waking up in the morning at like, three a.m just shaking and sweating so bad that like I I just had to like curl up in like a fetal position and lay there um because I felt so physically awful. Um, and then my drinking at that point was a job and and like I said before, it was, it, was, it wasn't to feel good. It was to get back to normal at that point, to catch up and get back to normal, um, to like some weird baseline level where I could actually function. Um, it wasn't to get to like a, a drinking high where like you feel real good. It was just to get back to normal.
1: Doing this during COVID, that was a challenge um, for a lot of people. And some people uh, went out and didn't make it back. What was uh, the meeting structure like for you, or, you know, during this this time of COVID? Like, just tell me about it. Was it meetings, or was it uh, just Zoom? Or?
0: Yeah. So it was drinking through COVID, and then in January of 2021, things started to loosen up. So at the tail end, when I started my sobriety, things were loosening up. So when I went into the recovery center. They still had like weird COVID protocols where you couldn't, um, you couldn't be in group settings. You could like see people and talk to people, um, kind of like through the halls and stuff, but you couldn't get into a big group and like have group discussions. So even at the recovery center, you were in, you were on zoom with other people within feet of you, um, and all talking that way. So that was kind of weird. Um, But then when I got into AA, um, I was able to walk straight into a meeting. Um, and, and that was the first time I walked into thirst quenchers. Um, I was able to go to a meeting. We were all there. Um, and so I didn't have to do like the zoom AA meetings. I did try to attend a zoom AA meeting and I just didn't like it. It was kind of like, everybody was like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm a more formal person and everybody was like laid back, laying on their beds, on their couches. Shirtless. <laughs> yeah, shirtless. <laughs> there, there are some interesting people yeah. on there. So, uh, yeah, no, I was, I'm really glad it wasn't like smack dab in the middle of COVID. Well, actually, I don't know why I say that. Cause I at least would have been working on Sprite a little earlier, but, yeah. but no, it's, uh, it, it was easier because I was able to go to those AA meetings in person.
1: Do you remember at what point things started to click?
0: Um, in sobriety or leading up to?
1: How about yeah, you know, leading up to, and then in sobriety, you know when? Yeah,
0: you know. Yep. Um. So yeah, it all. Uh, yeah, that tail end was when I finally admitted um, I had a problem um so kind of started to work on my first step there mm-hmm. and then got into the recovery center and for 24 hours i was out of it i was i was still hungover and like just in a weird headspace yeah. and everything and then the 48 hours in i was kind of more with it um i could engage in in the um zoom meetings things like that and then the third day in i was like all right, I'm all in. Like, I was so excited. I called up my wife. She is not excited about everything right now. Um, and I was like, this is awesome. Um, I feel great. We're working on this and this and this mm-hmm. and, and, talking very openly about everything. And, uh, yeah, she didn't, uh, meet my excitement with the same excitement level because she's mm-hmm. dealing with the wreckage. Um, like the part in the AA book where the guy comes out of the storm cellar. That's right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yep. Yeah. Um, Aina Grant. Yeah, Aina Grant. <laughs> um, so no, I uh, I was pretty gung ho at the beginning, um, and then I got into AA. Um, so I I came out of the recovery center, and I wasn't. I there was remote recovery. They called it IOP. Uh, intensive outpatient or something like that. Yeah. Um And so I was doing those meetings twice a week. Um, And the, I think they were like two hours. Uh, so I was doing that. So I still had something going on, but I wasn't sure about going to a meeting. Um, In the recovery center, one of the th- first things they did was give you an AA book, which I uh, read the stories in the back just to fall asleep at night because I mm-hmm. couldn't fall asleep. Yeah. Um, so I'd start reading those till I got tired. Um, And then... I don't know. I was just like, I, I don't know. Maybe next step is a, let me, let me check it out. So I went to the internet, searched a meeting, found the meeting. I think I didn't go the first, uh, Tuesday. And then I was like, you know, I'll, I'll walk in there. Um, and then, so I, I then went in to the first A meeting and it was awesome. Um, actually I just blanked on the guy's name. He went down South. He was there for a while. um, He's kind of one of the old timers in the group.
1: Yeah. Uh, is it Rod? Rod? Rod, yeah.
0: Yeah. So Rod greeted me there. I was lost when I walked into the church and I was like, I don't know where I'm going, but I had my uh, big book in my hand and he was like, hey, I uh, I bet you're looking for a meeting. And uh, so then he walked me in. It was super nice to me. Still like so grateful I got that warm welcoming um, going into AA and, uh, and love that guy for that. Um Just made it feel comfortable because I was scared as hell to walk into a meeting. I didn't know what they were. All all I know about AA meetings is whatever clips they show you in movies and things like that. Um, So went there um, and then loved what everybody was saying. Um, Finally, and I heard this in recovery too, but it felt different in AA where I finally was like hearing my story. Like the... Other people were dealing with the same shit, whether they were new in sobriety, um, and at a similar phase as me, or, or were years sober, um, and in talking about living uh, a sober life. So, that's when it all started to click. I got that initial kind of burst of I'm not drinking. I got a plan. I'm in a recovery center. Like at least I'm doing something, mm-hmm. um, that felt positive. And then walking into AA. Um, and hearing other people talk about having a drinking problem and it being normal people to me in those meetings. Like it, it's not the strung out people that, you know, don't have a home anymore, lost their family. Now, some of them have, but it, it seemed pe- like people that like, oh, these are normal people that have a drinking problem um, like me. Um, and so that's when it started to click. And then a little further, um, it, I think a few meetings in, I knew I needed to think about a sponsor at some point. And I had like this idealistic picture of the exact sponsor I wanted to have and what age he would be and, you know, how he would talk and everything like that. Um, so I, I'm sure I would have waited forever to find the right person and I would have never found him, um, mm-hmm. as a sponsor. And then, um uh one of the guys at the meeting um he was like hey joel you got a sponsor and i was like nope and he goes here you go you and you you sponsor him and so like mm-hmm. he connected us together yeah I know who you're talking about yep. who does that <laughs> yep yep which I was uh pissed about at the time um and it was super uncomfortable um yeah and then uh so we uh I went and grabbed um dinner with my sponsor um a couple days later and I was still like, Oh no, I'm not ready to pick a sponsor yet. Like I, uh, no. Um, and I'm not sure if I want it to be you. And, um, my sponsor was younger than me and that made me feel weird. Um, cause I was all arrogant about who I needed to be to be my sponsor. Sure. Um, and then, so I probably, and, but I was like, okay, fine. Like, uh, I feel forced into it, but whatever, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I, I was pretty skeptical. Um, and then, um, the first couple of weeks, I kind of bucked the process because my sponsor was like, "Hey, give me a call every day," and I was like, "No, I'm not calling you every day. Um, I'll call you a couple times a week." Um, and but then I called every day, and then um, and then it did drop back to you know call me a couple times a week, meet once a week. Uh, and then I would say about the third week in with my sponsor, I kind of just had that like, you know what. Screw it! Like I, I'm just gonna give myself to the process, and it's worked for a ton of people. Um, who am I to say it's not gonna work for me? Um, and that it's not the right process. I don't have any other real plan right now. Um, so yeah, I'll go for it. Yep, I'll do what you say. Let's let's do it. Um, and then so I, that's when I really started like working the steps at that point. Um, and kind of giving myself to the process. Um, letting go of my ego and and then it was great from there. Um, yeah, my, my sponsor was awesome. I couldn't ask for a better one. I, I mean, we're, I think we're good friends now we still meet I, even a year and a half later. I see him every other week we go get together and, uh, yeah, it's been really cool. Um, he has a ton of knowledge. He's been around the program for a long time. Um, and yeah, I, I liked working the steps. um, I'm through them now. Uh, but yeah, it it was a great process. But yeah, I would say it was a month after my first meeting where I really it really started to click, and yeah. I was like, okay, I'm gonna work these steps, like not just go through the motions and everything else, but I'm gonna start to work them. Um, and then I did that, and and really this entire time, like everybody says, and like it, it was really weird comment, and and I get why it's made, but. They were like, oh, you're just on a pink cloud right now. You're just on this pink cloud. Like, th- you know, it's going to be burst. Uh, it's going to pop after a while and then you're going to settle back in and have to, you know, deal with life, being sober and everything else. But honestly, I feel like I've been on a pink cloud the entire time. Like there's been a little like kind of let down where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm in the grind of being sober. But yeah. for the majority of it, it is so much freaking better. And that serenity that comes with it, like is there a lot, like a lot um, where, yeah, I I feel like I'm glad at the very beginning that, well, one, that I hit my bottom, and I think that was my bottom, um, and that I was able to kind of level myself, admit I had the problem first step, and then get into a recovery center, which is a huge step, and... And I don't know if recovery centers are the best thing. It worked for me. But I think more than like being in the recovery center, it was saying like, I have a problem enough to have to stop life for seven days and go to a center where there's other alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Like just that admission instead of a quiet admission to just my wife or something like or just myself, it was to actually acknowledge Um, and when you're gone for seven days and you got a lot of things going on, you got to tell people what's going on. So there was some admission in that too, where I told my business partner and people I worked with, Hey, I'm going into this recovery center. So that was a big step. And then, yeah, it it clicked. Yeah. A few weeks after getting a sponsor and then, um, and then it was awesome to work the steps and and then it just kind of got better along the way.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It seems like after you pretty much laid it out for everyone, like. You became vulnerable and that kind of made you accountable. And really, you just kind of like did something to break the pattern, mm-hmm. you know, just anything. And you, you tried it and then you continued to do that. Like, I'll try it. I'll try it. Yeah. And here you are today, you know. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so life today, you know, you kind of told us what it was like before. Mm-hmm. What happened. Give us a, another Description of what things are like today. You know, what's so good?
0: Um, Well, everything is better. Um, But the specific things are I finally have, like, confidence and self-esteem. Because when I was drinking, I just – I hated myself. Um, And I had such low self-esteem that um, I – I just felt, we heard this in the, um, uh, meeting last week. Uh, I didn't feel like right sized. I felt less than everything. Um, somebody had mentioned it that way the other week. I liked that, but, uh, yeah, I just, I felt less than all the time because I knew I had this problem, um, that not everybody else has. And so my confidence was super low. So now being in sobriety, I have my confidence back. Like I can walk around and even though things aren't perfect and I don't always do things perfectly, I know that I at least got that taken care of. Like that's not an issue Um, and, and I got to work on it, but it's not an issue right now today. And so, yeah, just getting that confidence back and, and that comes in with like my wife and kids where when you have such a problem that is creating a strain on a family you're apologetic all the time. Like you're apologetic to your kids, you're apologetic to your wife. Um, and and that's because you're just wrecking things left and right. Um, so I was finally able to g- like get out of the apologetic mode and actually like contribute to the family um, in a positive way. And so that helps give you confidence and makes you feel better about yourself. And the other thing too is life doesn't seem as like superficial or I don't know what's the best way to put it like you don't have to have an outside thing like event or substance to like make you happy like before I was always seeking out the okay what do I, what do I need to have right in front of me to be like happy so whether that's like Oh, I got a TV show that starts next week. I can be happy now because of that later. Or I got a drink coming at the end of the day. I can be happy now because I know that's coming later. It was always like the give me something to be happy for instead of just being happy. And now, and it's got to be the serenity thing. Um, I can just, and I even, and I talked about this in one of the meetings, um, I was driving and I like had this like just happy feeling, you know, when you kind of like just smile for no reason and you're just like super happy. And I was like, I did that self-check like, oh, okay, why, why are you so happy? And I was like, what do you got coming up? What's going on? There was nothing. There was like absolutely nothing like to be <laughs> excited about or, yeah. or happy about. And I was still just happy. Um, and so, yeah, kind of living in that serenity um, is pretty awesome where you don't need an outside something to make you happy. You can just kind of be at peace. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm still like a busybody. I have to be doing something. Like I don't sure. just like sitting or anything. But even if it is driving, and that's when it hits me the most. Where I'm just driving down the road, and I like got nothing going on. I'm not like physically doing anything other than driving. Um, where I'm just like ah, I'm happy right now. I feel like really good right now. Um, and that part's cool. I. Uh, the other part, it that's really cool, is just being present. Um, and that's that's my living amends to my kids is to be present with them. Um, And so they're at the ages where maybe the older one I could actually make a vocal amends to. Um, But we decided that probably best that I just uh, work a living amends with them to stay present with them. And so not just with them, but with everything, I feel like I can stay present a lot better, like be in the moment and not looking past it to the next thing. Now I still need to check myself on that because that's kind of just, I don't know, in my nature sometimes that I'm always like, okay, let's get through this. We can get to the next thing. Um, but that's been huge. Just settling down, like just not this anxious, like energy, um, Mm. and being able to settle Mm -hmm. and then, um, and then being able to commit to things and follow through. Um, like I, I think for me, I was the biggest, like dreamer planner, everything. When I was drunk, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start this. Um, and maybe I'd started, I for sure wouldn't finish it. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I can commit to things. Um, yeah. Whether that be just chores around the house, commit to like working on things in my marriage, like being like better in this area or that area, or with my kids being a better father here or there. Um, I can actually like tell myself, okay, let's work on that. And then actually work on it, like, and, and start to get through it. Um, And then, like, working out has been a big thing for me. I've always wanted to my entire life. Like, I played sports when I was a kid. I've gone through, like, trying to work out, going for, like, three months really hard, and then, like, stopping because drinking got in the way. Um, And now, for a year and a half now, um, I've worked out a minimum of four days a week every week. Like, I just don't miss and it's been awesome to be like, I always wanted to do that. Uh, cause I really enjoy working out. Um, and now I've done it and not just for like a month or two, but for, for like a year and a half. And there is no way that I could have done something like that before. Um, and so the, knowing I have the ability to like decide to do something and then I can actually do it and see it through that. That's been pretty cool. So yeah, there are a ton of awesome areas. Um, And then I think the cool one, and again, I kind of talked about like the second year around for me is that I'm not constantly thinking, okay, you're going to go to this and not drink. You're going to go do this and not drink. Um, How or what do you have to plan for to go to this and not drink? Now I just go do it. And then maybe halfway through, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm doing it and not drinking. Um, But it's nice to be able to do things where like, not drinking isn't the first thoughts in your head before you do that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you just get to go like, do it now. And you forget that you're not drinking while you're doing it. And you're still having fun doing it.
1: Yeah. I I always say that not drinking was an activity in my first year. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not drinking. Yep. Yep. And that's, uh, that's what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yep.
1: That's cool, man. Um, So now you've got some time. And you uh, see other people come in to the the meeting, uh, like new people Mm -hmm. and stuff. And uh, I've seen it too, you know, um, you know, new guys come in, some stay, some don't. Um, Do you have a a piece of advice for someone struggling or somebody who's like in similar position as you?
0: Yeah, um, I think the, you know, make your recovery a priority. It for me it wasn't always easy to say like to my wife, Hey, I'm going to leave, leave you with the three kids and I'm going to go meet with my sponsor or go to a meeting or whatever it is. And, and I've had to work my schedule around recovery. Um, even with like wrestling, I told the team, like I can't coach on Tuesdays. Um, which was a big thing. I never wanted to do that. I thought I might lose a coaching spot on kind of their staff. Um, but they were fine with it. And so, making it a priority. And then I think at some point you just got to like throw your hands up and be like, "Ah, I'm going to give myself to the process. Like you don't have to know like the results or the end, or if it's right for you, or is it going to work, um, at the beginning, like let that part come later. Uh, because I tried to buck it right away and just like throw your hands up and be like, you know what, It's worked for a bunch of other people, um, give it a shot and then actually work the steps because you shouldn't be doing it for anybody else. You got to do it for yourself. Um, and it took me a while to buy into that for yourself thing, um, because I was doing it for myself and my wife, for myself and my kids. Um, and then when you say like, just do it for yourself, like you're not here to just check a box to say you did it. You're actually here to like solve a problem. Um, that helped me. Um, in doing it that way, where I was able to kind of take ownership in my own recovery process. Um, and not just go through the motions. So yeah, just just give up. I I mean, unless you found a better solution, which a lot of us haven't. Um, mm-hmm. just give up and yeah, just just go through the process and commit to it because it's uh, it's not that much work compared to how much work we put in drinking. So. That's for sure. All
1: right, Joel. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing your experience,
0: strength, and hope here. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing this. It's awesome that you do. Yeah, I told you I was a little nervous coming in, but it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Fun to talk about this stuff. I'm definitely if there's an area I'm an expert on, it's my own drinking, so I can talk <laughs> about that for a little bit.
1: Thanks again, Joel, for stopping by the Recovery Edge podcast and sharing your story. And thank you listeners for checking us out. You can hear more of our episodes on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to check out your podcasts. Uh, Joel's been doing awesome at uh, our Tuesday night meeting. That's where I met him. And I really appreciate him jumping on. I love hearing his perspective on recovery and how it's working out in his life. Um, It's always a pleasure to hear him share and today I got uh, a whole hour almost. So thanks again, Joel, and thank you guys. We'll see you next time.